Hello and welcome back to an FEZ show. It has been a while, actually. Um, we've we've tried to get a show done, um, but schedules have been here and there. So we've been about a month, and there's been a bit of Formula E news that we're going to cover today. That some a bit old, some a bit new. But joining me, as always, is the one and only Edward Hunter and Mr. Jack Pickering. Hello, boys. How are you? Hi Jack, good to be back. Yeah, scheduling's a nightmare, but yeah, good to be get stuck into Formula E stuff again. Yeah, and great to see you both again uh, for the show. Um, good news, it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago uh, on the on the second, so that was good fun. It rained all day, <laughs> uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, on the bad news, uh, we did get some very sad news a couple of days before that. Actually, um, uh, John Verne's race engineer, a guy called uh, Pascal Tortosa very sadly passed away just very suddenly at the age of 49 he was a really well-regarded guy in the paddock life of the but there's a great story about him showing up to new york uh for john Verne's like first title decider that he ended up winning in season four that he showed up in like a, a cheetah costume he built himself out of like paper mache and stuff so not only really successful won 100 races in motorsport but also a really Funny guy, really well loved, and uh, I'm sure will be very much missed uh, in this season. A big blow for Tichita, a big blow for Formula E as well. Indeed, and obviously everyone here at Formula E Zone obviously will extend our condolences to the family, obviously to the team of Pascal. Obviously a, a sad time for them. But as we move on with the show, to move on to um, some happier notes, let's talk about Maximilian Gumpfer. Because I think this was a bit of a shock, Pico. Because, well... I suppose it was rumblings that he was not going to stay at BMW, but he has moved to Nissan. So, thoughts on the initial move? Because BMW kept Jake Dennis, and obviously Jake Dennis had a great end to the season, but Maximilian Gumpel was their guy, became that BMW driver, started, got their first, you know, became sort of their lead driver come season six, and, and was brilliant. But obviously now he's moved away to Nissan. So, what did you make of the move? Well, I think it's one that comes as a bit of a surprise. I, I don't think any any of us really saw this coming. There were it was pretty much widely known that Max Gunter wasn't going to stay in that Andretti team, but to head to Edams was a bit of a surprise. We knew that Ollie Rowland was uh, was uh, moving on to um, Mahindra. Uh, there were rumours about uh, the uh, the switch back, so Lynn would move from Mahindra to to uh, Nissan uh, and there was also Daniel Kafia and Alex Albon being named in there obviously Alex Albon we now know is going to uh, for, is going to be back in Formula 1 next year with Williams Daniel Kafia is now looking more and more likely that he has got a spot in the in Formula E but it looks like more uh, at the Dragon team now so it's uh, it's definitely one that's uh, that's uh, came as quite a surprise because no one really touted that, that that seat was going to go to Max Gunter, but I think it's great that he's staying in Formula E. I think he does need that new start uh, because I, he, he, he had an all right season. And I think that sums up basically 24 out of the 25 drivers, I guess, the, last season. But um, uh, but yeah, um, I'm happy that he's got another chance because last year it, he, he was beaten by Jake Dennis. Yes, Jake had those two wins and a win basically took you from 15th in the championship to third every race. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it will be a decent, um, decent switch for him. Uh, but that team, I think they need to pick up their game. They had a tough last, uh, tough season last year. 
especially for Seb Buemi. So Buemi either needs to beat uh, Max Gunter or we might not see Buemi in Formula E for much longer. But Max, I think if he comes into that team, does well, then I think he could be the team leader going forward. That's interesting. How do you see that battle, though, between Maximilian Gunther and Sebastian Buemi? Because, you know, Sebastian Buemi and Oli Rowland, they got on quite well, but it was, a, it was a good battle, right? Whereas Maximilian Gunther's got a point to prove, whereas Oli Rowland sort of came in with no really any point to prove when he when he moved. Everyone sort of knew how good he was. And he was the underdog, and he, he competed with Buemi and gave Buemi problems. Now Maximilian Gunther is a known quantity, right, race winner, and Buemi hasn't been at that level. So how do you see that rivalry? How do you think that battle between those two is going to go down? I do think it was interesting because okay, Buemi has had a really tough season. Uh, a lot of it was due, due to, I think, he was having some kind of technical issue throughout the whole year that I don't think Roland was suffering with. And they only ended up sort of, they haven't quite revealed what it is in this end because they're quite cagey. But they only sort of let us know that they sort of fixed it in the last couple of weekends. I think it was after London that they finally were able to fix it. And Boehmer was a bit more competitive, at least in qualifying in Berlin. But but yeah, it's definitely his confidence will have taken a knock from that. And uh, Max being good for, it was vital that Nissan signed somebody who had like a proven pedigree in Formula E in the recent couple of years and could really set the timing screens alight because they really, I have to say, I think Nissan really missed the trick when they, they basically didn't offer Roland enough money. He lost interest and went to Mahindra. And that's what's caused them to sort of need to get a replacement driver in. I do think it was an interesting choice because there were a couple other names floating around. Uh, like um, Alex Albon was floating around for a while. Obviously, he's gone, ended up going to Williams. Kvyat, we don't know quite what's happening with him, whether Dragon are going to sign him up or not in place of uh, Joel Eriksson. But uh, we'll have to see what happens there. But I, I do think Nissan needed someone strong. Gunther is a great choice. But he had a difficult season himself where he was kind of shown up by Jake Dennis. So I think both Boemi and Maximilian Gunther have got sort of something to prove this season, but perhaps less so Maximilian Gunther because he did at least win in New York, whereas Boemi finished like behind... Uh, <laughs> behind, uh, what was it, uh, Nico Muller, who didn't only did about half the season. So uh, I, I, that's pretty unfortunate for Boemi. Although he was a bit unlucky in certain races, I would argue, where he got disqualified, for instance, from fourth in London through no real fault of his own. But uh, but yeah, definitely gonna it's going to be an interesting season to have to see how they do. And like I said, I think both of them have got something to prove. And uh, it really depends if Nissan can finally get the best out of that new package introduced mid-season in Season 7. I want to throw a question to both of you, a bit off kilter. We know that this season was really competitive, right? It was probably the most competitive season, and we're potentially going into another competitive season where, you know, the only t things that the teams can do this season is to, is to improve the software. There's no hardware differences from Season 7 to Season 8 because of the two-year cycle. So, as a team boss, as an owner of a team, does that, with it being so competitive, is that harder to judge a driver's ability because there are so many unknowns and obviously with the qualifying system you can be caught you can be unlucky right so did that sort of like a Maximilian Gunther for example did that like hurt his chances of keeping that BMW seat because he was a bit unlucky maybe at the start of the season couldn't get that momentum that momentum struggled but you know he could move to Nissan and and and, and have a fly and be back to the Maximilian Gunther we know or is it easier well it's really competitive and you didn't shine young man Therefore, it's uh, 
you know, out you go. You know, we need if you if everyone's competitive, we need you to shine. So is it easier? Do you think? Well, start start with you, Pico, to sort of assess a driver, or do you think it's harder to assess a driver? Ah, oh, that's a tough one. Um, uh, I think. Well, I think one thing's certain. This I think Formula E now has the closest. I think four wheel grid. Uh, grid in the FIA bracket. Um, I think uh, I think this championship is so, so close now that you can't really tell who's in front. So 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 those gains, I think if you if you shine, I think you are heralded as something brilliant. However, as we saw last season, like you could be one of the quickest drivers and if you're out in group one, then you are starting no higher than 14th sunshine and yeah it and it's just and it's just one of these things i think formula e is one of the most it's just so competitive now that yeah it is really really hard to judge who what uh, who and what the packing order is and especially with the qualifying format that will change for next season that's something that we'll get on to a bit later on but um but yeah it's uh it's an in, it's an interesting one. I think that I think that the yeah the, uh, honestly my answer is I don't know. I don't, I genuinely don't know. Okay, whether, that's whether fine. It... That's fine. You seem like you seem like you were going for the easier one, right? You seem like you were talking as if it was the easier option, right? So like, okay, well I you shine. I was for four minutes. Is what I was <laughs> you shined, therefore you're clearly the the better one, which Jake Dennis did towards the end. So he was shining. So they BMW kept Jake Dennis rather than sticking with their known quantity. Of, of Maximilian Gunther. Ed, what do you think? Well, it's interesting because I was writing an article a couple of months back about the Mahinch drivers because obviously Alex Lane has ended up losing his seat and is looking pretty certain to leave Formula E. He won't be there next season, even though he was much higher in the points than Alexander Sims, who has been kept on. And it was interesting looking at the qualifying record because they were basically hovering between Group 2 and 3 the whole season. And Lynn was I think only out qualified like two or three times by Sims throughout the whole season. It was quite impressive actually. Uh, but I, I and a uh, lot of the particularly towards the end of the season, the stats were overwhelmingly in favour of Alexander Lynn. But I do think there were a couple of extenuating circumstances, like say Sims would have the car would in Pueblo. He had a thing where the car failed, completely failed, and he got no running in free practice, and he was able to somehow qualify really well and finish ahead of Lynn in the race. So I don't think qualifying is the be all and end all but you do have to take into account like uh the different groups that people were in so i i i I sort of i'm sort of in the more forgiving camp where i sort of think where boemi had a really bad season but he was well i I think also there was he was in group four and failed to shine when there were conditions that really should have played to his strengths but like you said we have this undiagnosed uh, issue that was diagnosed resolved and then they haven't gone public about it i don't think so uh maybe the chassis was bent i don't know for Boemi. so that, that's hard to say but for gunfer i think he genuinely really excelled in qualifying wasn't quite so strong in some of the races in season seven especially compared to dennis of course and the other thing is um final thing uh for andretti we really should start calling him andretti that rather than bmw bmw stopped running the power train of course because it carries over from last season but they're Andretti now, they're not BMW anymore. <laughs> so gotta get a gotta rewire our brains for that. And uh, interesting who's gonna get that second Andretti seat as well. I heard a lot of 
rumors about a guy called Carl Kirkwood, who is a sort of one of their indie light stars at Andretti. So it'd be interesting to see because they're very keen to keep him on the roster and not let any of the other teams pinch him. So he it would be interesting to have another American driver in Formula E because they haven't had one in a while, I don't think. Yeah, that was my next question, actually. So we'll head to Pico for that. So um, who are Andretti going to go with now? Because, and we all we are thinking it's going to be that American thing, but then I just read before we started to show that, you know, there's a there's a way for Andretti to sort of go in via F1 as well. So maybe, you know, whoever was thinking of being in Formula E could maybe potentially be going to Formula 1. And obviously Andretti have a, a wealth of drivers, you know, and do they do an IndyCar and a Formula E season at the time? So could we see an Alexander Rossi doing that? Could we, do, you know... Is the door open for any potential Andretti driver? You know, I'm a massive Ryan Hunter Ray fan. I'd love to see Ryan Hunter Ray be chucked into a Formula E car and, and the chance to interview Ryan Hunter Ray. That would be my personal favorite, but I can't see it happening. But, um, Pico, where on earth do you think Andretti go with that second seat? It's an interesting one. I've heard the name Ollie Askew, who, um, who some people might remember uh, last season drove for the Arrow McLaren Schmidt Peterson team in IndyCar um, and then lost his seat to uh, a Formula E alumni Felix Rosenquist um, for this season. But uh, he, but he's 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 done a few races here and there, so he's been linked there. But he has also been linked with a few other seats in IndyCar. He did a couple races at the end of the season with the uh, Ray Hall Letman Letman Lanigan racing. I hope I said that right. <laughs> but I, but yeah, he, he did a few races in the number forty-five car, and he's been heavily linked um, to that seat as well. Um, for Andretti at the moment, it is kind of. We we don't know who's going to go. I don't I don't think that there's many people who know is going to be in that second seat. It's not the open secret that Ollie Rowland leaving Nissan was, um, but yeah, I, I think I think if they had their hearts set on Max leaving the team after Berlin, then I'm sure they knew. They they they've known something for a couple of months. But we're in October now. The testing is still one and a half months away. But um, yeah, I I I'm none the I don't think anyone's really none the wiser to uh, who's going to take that Andretti seat uh, for this season. Ed, any suggestions? I don't know. I only talked about Carl Kirkwood earlier. Uh, I remember I re I really thought Matthew Brabham got a really raw deal in Formula. He did like two races, and last we saw Matthew Brabham was him crying by the side of the road in Punta del Este after crashing out. I'd love to see him get another shot because I think he's still young enough to make a decent career in Formula. E. But I do get the feeling Andretti in recent years they've gone for sort of remember when Gunther was sort of the next big thing and he was going to stay at BMW Andretti for like many years and then I guess BMW leaving sort of made him think I need to get with another manufacturer and Nissan was sort of the open door after Roland left which was like you say an open secret so yeah it does feel like Andretti had gone back to the days of, uh, um, of just a high turnover of drivers whoever they hire it may not be necessarily a long-term solution to their driver problem it definitely seems dennis uh next big thing at the moment but we'll have to see we'll have to hope he has a decent sophomore season as they say i just 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 had a thought uh what if they go for a, a, a current f2 driver um i mean they 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 could if if if, the, if they did want to do their future more than um uh 
more than just a seasonal thing. They might pick an F2 driver. Uh, I know that Dan Tictum has been touted to go to Dragon as well. It's between him and uh, Daniel Kofia is what we've heard for the second Dragon seat. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm a little bit biased. Uh, I do like Dan Tictum, so I would like to see him in Formula E. But um, it's an unpopular opinion because I know lots yeah. of people don't. But I do like Dan Tictum. So I, I think maybe going for a Formula E driver, uh, for Formula 2 driver even. Um, then yeah, I think I think there's a fair chance fair chance that they could do something there. Yeah, for me, I feel like Michael Andretti definitely wants an American driver in that second seat. So I feel like it will be an American driver. Who we don't know. But let's move on to a more established Formula E driver in our season. Uh, free champion Lucas Degrassi, who has moved to Venturi. Now, is this a one-year deal? Well, it probably is a one-year deal. Right? Is this a one-year deal for Lucas Degrassi to try and just see what comes up in Gen 3 if McLaren were to join, you know? Or do you think this is a long-term project here with Eduardo Mortara and Lucas Degrassi? Is this Lucas Degrassi's, Ed, best chance of winning a championship again by being at Venturi? Well, Venturi's definitely got a lot more investment than it used to. I remember Alejandro Gang's like a brother-in-law, Asnar, is now one of the uh, <laughs> investors in the team. So, uh, well, I, I, you would hope that maybe they would get a different livery from the sort of black and white one they used the last season. Uh, I sort of feel a bit of sympathy for Norman Nato because I thought towards the end of the season he was finally getting it together, but perhaps it was just a little bit too late to really make a difference and Lucas being a bigger name was always going to be the bigger draw I guess and they're always going to keep Ido because you can tell Susie Wolf just absolutely loves Ido Mortara and he rewards that faith with a consistently really good performance you know runner up this past season so is it Lucas's best chance of getting another driver's title um I think you're I think it could be actually I think um I don't quite see another manufacturer taking a punt on Lucas Degrassi, even though obviously he's a world champion. But for a team like Venturi, it is a big draw having a former world champion in the books. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on, especially compared to Mortara. Um, another thing Lucas has talked about, he's talked a little bit about like um, what he wants to do after his former league. He's talked a lot about moving to DTM if he's going to continue as a driver. So it looks to me like this is a it's going to be one or two seasons at Venturi for Lucas, and then I think he might set his sights elsewhere to a new horizon, maybe. So it's 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 definitely an interesting move. Uh, I still think Mortara is going to blow him in the weeds, and I kind of hope he does, to be honest, because I've, I've sort of gone off Lucas in the past few years. I love Lucas. I love him. I love Lucas to pieces. Uh, he's absolutely fabulous to interview, um, and I, I don't want him. I don't want him off. Um, the, the grid effectively because I think he's good and I think he's good for Formula E adds that little bit of rivalry there but he's got that Mercedes powertrain right behind him which arguably Jack was the best powertrain arguably right one of the best powertrains last season right because if we looked at the start of the season with Mercedes they looked like the outright favourites Tech Cheat obviously came into it but obviously it was very close towards the end. But Venturi were competitive last season and the most competitive they've been for a while with that Mercedes package. So obviously with software updates, which Mercedes will do, which will be available to Venturi, surely that puts Degrassi in the hot seat, right? That that revitalizes him. 
I'm completely in agreement with Ed that this is Degrassi's best chance of the championship since season three. I think even though Audi have uh, Audi have been, well, I mean, like season four was, I mean, like Audi Audi's car was bulletproof after round five, but the first four races of the season, Lucas Degrassi was still on nothing because that car was so unreliable. It was quick, but it was unreliable. Um, and then season five, six, or six, obviously, the first year that Lucas didn't win a race in that season and actually didn't even lead a lap that season. Um, and so, see, and so, yeah, season seven, they found their way, but it was never going to be good enough to beat them. But yeah, I'm, I'm completely in agreement with, with, the Mercedes, with the Mercedes in the back of it. I think it's going to be a good car. I don't think this is just uh luke's best chance of the championship i genuinely think that venturi could challenge for the constructors title next season i think that's a stellar lineup um uh obviously yes uh, as as ed said i do feel sorry for norman natto because he um he did a fantastic race at the end of the season but it did come as a bit too little too late yes he had he was supposed to be on the podium in rome and the same again in um Valencia, uh, one he was disqualified when he got a five second penalty. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, F- Formula E is very cutthroat. I hope he does find another spot in the grid. Who knows? Maybe, maybe a near or, an, or maybe an Andretti would take him up on it. Who knows? But, um, uh, but yeah, it, um, I, I, I doubt it. But yeah, I genuinely think that Lucas, I think he's definitely called this right. I think. One year contract. I think we're expecting that to be the case. Um, uh, as you broke in Berlin, Jack, um, he's he's happy to uh, to to, uh, to chat to McLaren as well and chat to other manufacturers. But um, but yeah, it, it's um, yeah. I genuinely think Lucas will be one of the championship contenders, and Venturi will have a shot at the. Uh, constructors championship a genuine shot not 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 like this year's shot at the championship where six teams can win it on uh at the end of the season uh, they have a genuine shot at this year's championship which would be amazing which would be amazing for venturi and, and obviously the path and then you congratulate susie wolf massively um on the job that she's done because you know when she took over that team back in season five there was a lot of questions that were raised like would she be ready could she do it is she just going to take all the advice from Toto? But, you know, she was she was sort of like pushed aside, sort of like, oh, no, she's not going to succeed. And if she was to succeed, it would be a huge story and a huge story for females in motorsport as well. So um, if it would, it would be an absolutely amazing story. But I want to move on to um, the calendar update. So calendar obviously looking brand spanking new, fresh, lots of new faces in there. And now we're potentially getting one of those new faces potentially dropping off the calendar head in Cape Town. Now, obviously, it's not official yet. However, um, Cape Town, uh, COVID-19 restrictions still playing havoc, even as we move into 2022 now. Obviously, it would probably still be, but you're hoping that, you know, the world would be moving in the right direction and we wouldn't be having too many calendar dropouts. But it looks like we might have our first one with Cape Town. Um, but, they, you know, they're, they're willing to push back and, and, and go in 2023 and um, basically the problem is is about uh the civil engineering and actually building the site in time and actually having the people there to actually build it or having you know within the restrictions that are currently in in south africa which have been restricted um a bit further from what they have been prior 
but it doesn't seem like it's it's going to be enough in order to to hold a, to hold an event such as a Formula E event. Um, Ed, views on Cape Town potentially not being on the calendar next season? Yeah, it, it would be a shame because it's always good to have a race on the African continent, especially South Africa, a new venue. Not really one we've seen top levels of FIA World Championships visiting, uh, not since the days of like the old Kyle Imey Grand Prix in like the early 90s when very briefly it was sort of revived after apartheid ended. Uh, but um, yeah, from what I was reading, there was a lot of um, disputes. A lot of people were uh, unhappy that uh, uh, the way money was, uh, there were certain groups like trying to put pressure uh, to sort of to get rid of the race as well. Not just, so it wasn't just the, the COVID thing sort of forced the hand, but there was already a bit of, little bit of political kind of resistance to holding the race and sort of the extra money having to be spent on the roads. And obviously I'm not sure if the COVID vaccination rate has been that good in South Africa compared to Europe as well. So it's, it's, it's a bunch of different kind of factors combined together, but hopefully we see uh, Cape Town back for 2023 or for the season nine rather for Gen 3. Uh, and uh, we'll, have, we'll have to see if they bring something else to sort of replace it in the Scott Cat. But one of the things that's been talked about is Jakarta, but that has its own political issues going on where <laughs> it's, if anything, even more unpopular with the locals <laughs> in certain groups. So uh, we'll have to see how, how all that pans out in Indonesia. Uh, and uh, I, I'm really interested to see who, which venue, if any, ends up filling that out or if they end up doing the usual formula thing where they take another venue and they make it a double header to sort of compensate. So we'll have to see how that pans out. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask Pico, actually. Is this the Marrakesh? Just, you know, Marrakesh, poor Marrakesh, right? You're off the calendar. You're back on the calendar. You're off the calendar. You're back on the calendar. Yeah, we don't want you. You're back. Can we Can we come back? It feels like, you know, Formula just can't say goodbye to Marrakesh, right? Because if it was like, I'm surprised Marrakesh for me is a really good racetrack and I'm surprised it's not on the calendar and there must be reasons for why it's not on the calendar. But I feel like every time Formula can't fill a race, we jump to Marrakesh. And I'm, normally when we go to Marrakesh, we get a good race because energy management is so difficult there. Uh, and, and it's a challenge for the drivers and that's, we get entertaining races. So I'm surprised that Marrakesh isn't on the calendar anyway. But what do you think? Do you think we could be returning to Marrakesh to, to replace um, South Africa, which then at least keeps us in the African continent? I'm going to have a field day with flights next year. I just know it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm gutted Cape Town's off the canvas. I thought, yeah, Cape Town would be such an awesome place to go to. But um, alas, that's looking likely that it's not going to be the case. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Marrakesh... Yeah, I think it's. I think that's the go-to one to replace it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm completely on board with you with you as well. Marrakesh is is throwing up some magnificent races. Uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio trying to get it, get it over the line in season five. Uh, I, I've said Marrakesh has got brilliant races. Can't think of any others. Um, that's good. Oh, the 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 two BMWs coming together. Um, in no, the same a, race. Yes. That, that was the same race. That was the same, same race. race. <laughs> Can't think of any other races. That's good. Uh, what about the one yeah, Rosenquist one? Well, yeah. I was going to say Rosenquist's race. That's exactly the word that was going to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's good and it produces good racing because it's tight on energy management. It's 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 always been tight on energy management since we went there, and I'm completely in agreement that it should be on the calendar. Uh, the fact that Formula Formula E are trying to fill out these these races um 
and they and they just just kind of like fill out the calendar to like make sure that we don't have these gaps and places like Marrakesh aren't getting on the calendar. I do find that a little bit annoying because I think it is a fantastic track. Um, yeah, and, and, and another one obviously is Punta del Este because basically Mont- uh, that, that that entire area is run by Julius Bear, who's the one of the main sponsors of Formula E. And so, like at the drop of a hat, if they say, "Can we go back to Punta?" then they'll sign it off, and and everything's fine. It's just that. When you go there, you have to land at Montevideo Airport, then sit on a coach for three hours to get to the actual location. But um, uh, but yeah, I think Marrakesh, I think it deserves a permanent place on the calendar, like it has done for the last few years. But um, but yeah, I, I think this on the calendar, off the calendar, I, I I think it's great to have it there as a backup, and so we can go back there. I I I think if if we can't go to China, I reckon that. I think I think reckon that they'll push Marrakesh a little bit back, and then they'll make Mexico a doubleheader or so, or, uh, or something like that. But um, there's a lot of if fans or buts with the calendar. Uh, don't go book, don't go booking stuff yet. Or, agreed, agreed. Or, or get like a free cancellation hotel. Like a, yes, yes, yeah. that's what we need, especially if we're going to be doing lots of flyaways this year on Formula Rezone. Um, final thing to talk about, lads. Then this new qualifying format that is being touted. Um, a bit different. I think an improvement on the current one. I'm not a big fan of the current one. I think lots of people are not a big fan of the current system where the you know it's done on qualifying order group one. It's we always have these mixed up grids which then lead to crashes and and not great races and, and then a muddled up championship where, you know, we're now asking the question, Oh, did Nick the Freeze deserve it? Which is wrong to ask, but because it was so tight, we didn't even get past a hundred points. It feels that the qualifying system with this field being so competitive played a huge part in the championship and every driver would tell you that it has so let's have a look at this sort of new qualifying format that has been touted uh which will be split into two groups of 11 and then go into a very sort of football style quarterfinal semi-final final system very similar but different in a sense but similar to the, the knockout system in formula one where you know you'd be knocked out after a certain amount of minutes but in this time you'd have you know you just peak your, your groups will be smaller so you'll have eight cards in a group four go through then the semi-final two go through, and then the final, whoever wins the final, congratulations, you're on pole position. Ed, what do you think of this potential new qualifying system? Do you think it will solve Formula E's problems? Do you think it's a fabulous qualifying system? Um, or do you think it's just better than what we've got at the moment, so that will do? Well, I suppose the problem is you've got to make sure, like we keep saying you know, when this question comes up, that you don't have all the cars on track at the same time, because the circuit's it's, it's not really, you cannot get a clean lap in that way. It's harder to anyway, much harder. But uh, I guess the other thing is, um, I think no matter what qualifying system they pick, somebody's going to complain that it disadvantaged them. Or like this never would have happened with the old system. <laughs> They're going to get people nostalgic for the uh, for, <laughs> for that old random system that sometimes benefited people in the later groups. But uh, I, I I think I think it should be a little bit more fair. And I do the, the only thing I do to lament about it more than anything else is the uh, the loss of super pole potentially that it's just going to be like the final two at the end of it once Dev has all been knocked out going for pole position. And I sort of like that super bowl format where it was just six, everyone got one lap, and that's going to set the finals the top six on the grid. And with the new system, I, I feel like it's there's a little bit more, and not not so much that it's 
all the earlier runs are, are a bit pointless, but the, the, but it's a bit more sort of you do laugh, but someone gets knocked out and everyone goes again. It feels a bit that uh, maybe I've misunderstood it, but that's what I, I had to, as how I understood it anyway. And I'm I'm not sure I'm as keen on that, but I think the earlier stages should be a bit uh, fairer and better to watch potentially. For me, as I see it, I see it as you know they they wanted two groups of eleven pico, so I expect every card to be out and you'll have like an eight ten minute session potentially and then the sessions obviously time gets smaller as the as the cars whittle down um but i'm i'm hoping that they have every car on track so there's a little bit resemblance to the f1 qualifying system where we'll you know we'll see who gets it last run and might go fastest and so forth which might make it quite interesting uh, and knock people out that way and if they go like that then i think it'll, it'll, it'll be quite entertaining but obviously we just get shorter and shorter but then the time limits can get shorter and shorter because i think they could easily fit that in one hour pico what do you think of the system well, what I am going to say, Ed, is if anyone does uh, feel a bit nostalgic um, about the old qualifying system, if, if any of the drivers say, oh, I miss the old qualifying system, I'll do a shooey on this show. <laughs> that is, I don't see any of those drivers ever getting nostalgic <laughs> about this qualifying format yeah. whatsoever. Uh, maybe it's just me talking, uh, rather than projecting a bit. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think what they've done is they've tried, if they've, they've yeah, I see the whole like football aspect of doing the like quarterfinal, semi-final, then final. But the first it starts off basically doing the same as IndyCar. So IndyCar, you've got the two groups, and then the top six from each group go through to the next session, which the first, which is the top twelve, and then the six from that go into the fast six or whatever it's called, or sort of or something like that. So it starts more or less the same as IndyCar, and then they make it this football shootout thing, which um. I'm struggling to get my head around, but I mean, I, I love watching them, love watching international football, but I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the, um, I don't think it's the right format for Formula E. I was, well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't really promoting it at all, but I was saying that a, a, a MotoGP style format would have been better. So have, uh, so have it dependent on the practice. So everyone's best practice time. And then, you have the bottom 10 start top four from each session go through to the next one and then the last session is 10 10 minute that way it's 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 top 10 drivers and then whoever starts and it starts on pole but i do see how like practice you know that even then they don't get their proper laps in so yeah i, yeah. I do see because that's what I was going to say, because I've brought up that point with Sam Bird. And I, every time you bring this up, I say, well, Sam Bird said, right? Sam Bird said it doesn't work because we don't get it. We don't get clean laps in, in, in practice. So that means I might, you know. If you're in Q1, as long as you're top four, you, you get through to the next session and then the next session after that. And so. But then would you argue it makes practice it makes practice more important rather than just a practice session? Obviously, it makes practice somewhat important. But um, I don't think it, I don't, I don't think it really affects it that much. I mean, like all they're really doing is, well, they, well, well, they always do their two fifty laps towards the end of the session anyway. So, but I suppose it puts more pressure on those two fifty laps to make sure that you're in a in a certain group. That's my defence. I honest. just want to point out something actually about practice that they're going to shorten it. So instead of being like forty five minutes as it is at the moment, it's going to go down to thirty. I think so. That means they've got even less time. Uh, to do that quality run at the end of uh, through the through practice, it's usually the second one that they do it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, at now at the moment, some of the teams even sort of almost do like full 
kind of not full race runs, but they've definitely got a lot more time to play with in which to do different things. So uh, get counting that as everything. I think probably a good move because it makes things much more interesting going into quality. I wouldn't mind them shortening it to half an hour if it means it's not at 7 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning because trying to get to a media center for 8 o'clock in the morning, wake it up, is difficult. I'll wait for that. Difficult. Um, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to sleep with the blinds open or something <laughs> just the, to get I, to the track on time. I understand why there's not many people in the media center at 8 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock or half past 7 in the morning when, when practice 1 is on, but I'd prefer practice 1... I think as a spectacle, I prefer practice one being on Saturday morning than Saturday or Friday night, 5 or 6 p.m. Because straight away, if you do put it on a Friday night, which I don't understand, one, if you're a paying ticket, you've lost 45 minutes of practice because you can't get in on a Friday, which makes no sense. So I don't know how much you paid for an FE ticket, but you've lost 45 minutes of running because you can't watch it. And two, it's harder for people to watch it in Europe, I say Europe, but maybe in other places, America as well, because at least Americans, if they're if they're diehard former fans, they'll stay up through the night to watch it. Uh, but obviously, it's the middle of a working day um, in, in America. In Europe, people are coming home at that time, so a, a five o'clock, six o'clock uh, practice session doesn't really work. So I prefer it to stay on that one day format rather than what they've been trialing lately um, for doing it on a Friday, which I'm not. Um, just been a bit yeah I, i'm not i'm not obsessed with their uh early mornings either i mean i, I remember what uh, was it the second rome race this season that started at like midday or one o'clock or some something like that and so they had to do practice at 6 45 or something it's just i mean you, there's a whole day there's a whole day just do just do something start it later yeah, I feel no, like this is I just know. turned into we hate waking up in the morning. The thing is, right? Regal and Valencia be like, push it back a bit, <laughs> mate. I, I need to get out of bed. Because the thing is, you're right. It's a late night Friday, right? You finish, you you, you leave the media center like six or seven ish, and then you, you by the time you're back to the hotel, it's already eight, and then you got to eat, and then it's ten, and then you realize I gotta wake up at half past five, <laughs> and you're like, where's the time? And you wake up at half past five, trundling in. There's no transport work you got to walk to the track and you're like oh it's too early for this but anyway i think boys we've come to the end of the show um thank you so much boys for being with me ah pleasure as always jack yeah sorry no about worries. the weight by the way <laughs> yep <laughs> no worries um, and thank you obviously for spending your time and watching we'll be back in let's say a couple of weeks time to find out what news um, has crept up if any sort of cancellations any more driver news we'll be we'll be covering it and talking about it and the implications as we get closer now to pre-season testing which will be taking place at the end of November the 29th of November is the date that is currently around again not being confirmed until like the 1st of December so it's only three days um, in Valencia hopefully we'll have our man Mr. Jack Pickering on the ground so hopefully plenty of um updates and and stuff to come from testing so please look out for the youtube channel around then thank you so much for watching we've been formulary zone goodbye <laughs>